everyone. Welcome to another episode of the ADOS Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, the ADOS Podcast. We're also on Facebook at the ADOS Podcast. And yes, you've guessed it. We are on Instagram, and that tag is also the ADOS Podcast. <laughs> uh, thank you all for all your support and your love. I'm here joined with me today, Trevion Clark, former rugby player for Team USA, small business owner, and also a fellow podcaster, yes, and an ADOS black male. <laughs> so I love to bring my people onto this uh, platform to share their experiences, their businesses, their ideas with our community. So with no further ado, Trevion, I'm going to turn it over to you so you can give us an introduction. Yo, what's up, everybody? Yeah, like he, he pretty much said everything. Yeah, I play... Um, for the most part, I'm a rugby player, but I just do the podcast and the stuff on the side. And, you know, with everything going on, ain't much rugby being played right now. So, you know, I'm back in Minnesota just chilling out, and I'm happy to be here. So so I said former, but still present. It's just there's they're not doing much yeah, right now. Yeah, ain't nothing going Se- on right now. Season. So. Um, is, is, was it fully canceled? Yeah, well, um, well, for me personally, like, I could go into what, what happened to me personally because I was done. I stopped playing a little bit before the the uh, pandemic or whatever so but yeah last year the season was completely canceled and we were supposed to it was supposed to be the 2020 olympics and they had to cancel Mm -hmm. that too so it's postponed until next year but who knows at this point like it's it was supposed to be tokyo 2020 but they postponed it to 21 but yeah we just don't know we know that this coronavirus is not slowing down in fact um cases are increasing right now as we speak so um it's it's probably unlikely that there's going to be a season next year, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but hopefully you can get back out there on the turf. I'm sure most of your games are played on turf. I'm sure. I'm, I'm maybe some grass here. Yeah. And there, no. But, yeah. Yeah. It, but, it, yeah. It's. I mean, tomato, tomato. Same thing. Let, let's uh, <laughs> let's get into the the rugby part a little bit. How did you get into rugby? Well, um, I I was in my dorm. I was a senior. At, uh, I ran track uh, down in Little Rock. So I was a senior, and I was just in my room and. I had been hit with some injuries and stuff, so I knew I wasn't going to go pro for track. So I was just thinking, like, what's the next thing I can do? And I consider myself pretty much an all-around athlete. So I just started looking into different sports, and I was literally on YouTube, and a video popped up of rugby. And so, like, from – and this was, like, we graduated in what, – what, when do – okay, what, what, what month do you graduate? Uh, May, 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 yeah, yeah so May or this, June, yeah. So yeah. it's it's gotta be it's towards the end of the year. It's like April or whatever. So I still don't know what I'm gonna do. So what I did was um I seen the video and then I made a list of just like the top people, kind of in the rugby world, mm-hmm. and uh and I just kind of made a list of people I needed to know, and so I took that list and I went from the top from like literally the president of World Rugby Dan Payne, and I would just like went down the list and started calling people. And uh, that year in particular, there had just been a league opened up in America called the MLR, it's Major League Rugby. And so um, I knew that since it was so fresh, you you have a better chance of, you know, getting into that league. Mm-hmm. Being recruited. Yeah, and yeah, because it's so fresh, yeah. yeah. So um, I started just emailing, calling all those coaches and whatnot, and uh, I got linked up with a coach that sent me to Colorado after I graduated. So literally, I went to nationals for track because I, I ran like Division One track. So like we were, I was pretty committed to it. But um, so I went from nationals at track and went straight to Colorado for rugby, like starting rugby. And I played rugby for three months before I made the national team. Wait a minute. So let me let me just get this straight. 
So you got injured your senior year of high school. No, this was no, this was um this was college. College, college. Yeah. So you got injured. You're running track, and you're like, oh, man, what am I going to do next, right? I'm probably not going to go back to track and, and be my full self, you know, be my full potential in track. I got to right. figure something else out. You gather a list <laughs> yeah. of top <laughs> contacts and people in the, in, rugby, in the sport of rugby. Yeah. And you just start calling, texting, and emailing people back-to-back every day. Yeah. No, literally every <laughs> single day. I would come back from, my, from practice, and i just hit emails, and... I got like old messages of people that I ended up working with and that wanted me to play for their team that were like rejecting me at first or just like they didn't pay any attention. Well, obviously because I didn't have any experience or anything. So I'm Mm -hmm. just, I'm that guy that's just looking for opportunity and they didn't know how athletic I was. So, you know, I was getting, I just still have those messages. It's funny to look back at those messages when I was just starting and emailing those people. And then like a year later, them having to go into the messages to email me to play for the team and see that and seeing that I had already emailed them, you know what I mean? Right. Just Months like ago, them. years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so, just never got back to you. Yeah. So <laughs> I did that. That's um I played in, in Colorado over that summer and literally in August, by August, I was playing for the national team. And um I I went through some injuries and stuff. And this was 2018. From 2018. Like from August 2018 to the beginning of 2019, I was kind of just learning the game with the national team. Mm-hmm. And then from 2019 to 2020, I pretty much, or actually from 2019, from January, I'm sorry, till about August, I, I toured. I went to like 10 different countries and just played different countries and, and just got to experience different cultures. So it was, it was really fun. But unfortunately, in August, I, um, I herniated my disc, like a disc in my back, mm. like literally right after I proposed to, wow. to my wife. So, like, and, that, and that was, you proposed, was that this year? No, that was last year, last 2019 year. in August. So I, I started really kind of getting to play mm-hmm. in, in January. Literally January 2nd, we went to Uruguay, and that was my first tournament. And I went to like 10 different countries over that year, and I competed uh, – in the Pan American Games, we got bronze actually in the Pan American Games, and it, it, for people that don't know what that is, it's like a, it's like a mini Olympics pretty much. Mm. So it's pretty and much bronze is like some third place. Yeah, it's okay, third yeah. place. Yeah, so it's so at, for uh, Olympic preparation, we got third place. Um, but yeah, right after that, literally, I proposed and then I got injured. So uh, from that injury, I just had to take some time and go back to the drawing board pretty much, and you know that's that's when. All the pandemic stuff happens, so now I'm just stuck in Minnesota. Like, well, I, I just got to make one quick point because a lot of our audience members are people our age. So mm-hmm. I'm 24 years old. A lot of the people who tune into my shows around our age or younger, and I, I really just want to highlight, you know, the fact that you you had a plan, you developed a plan, and then you developed a list of steps, and then you executed that plan to perfection. I mean, how many people can sit in their dorm room or your, your bedroom or wherever you're at and say, I need to do something. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to Google some stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to research some stuff. Okay, I came across rugby. That looks interesting. I think I have the skill sets to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a list of every person on these teams and um, who's a part of these rugby associations, and I'm going to send them an email and make a phone call and a text so they at least know who I am. Right. Yeah, that's... Wow. Well, well see, that's the thing. Like, most people especially athletes or even like 
artists in general. I mean, athletes aren't really artists. But I mean, it's it's we can end up in the same kind of categories, but just people that are looking for opportunities, they a lot of times they don't actually look for opportunities. They just kind of get good at what they do and then they wait. The thing about athletes and sometimes musicians are are, are just like even people who paint or draw is it's just so many people that do it. You know what I mean? It's saturated. So to, yeah, yeah. So to stand out, you have to literally go and find those opportunities. So like I have a lot of people that may have been faster than me or whatever, but they never really got to do anything outside of just track because once they were done with track, they just kind of stopped mm. instead of looking into other options and, and trying to use their resources like Google or, you know what I mean? Or email or whatever to, to look for other opportunities, they just kind of stopped. So I think it was just a, a thing of looking, being willing to look into other opportunities, like you said. Like, it takes work all outside of what you love to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, like, I love to be an athlete, but unfortunately to be an athlete, there's a lot of politics involved. Yeah. So you got to get your foot in the door somehow. And, and you need to know how to navigate those spaces. And I'm in a political space right now, and I tell people all the time, it's like, you need to educate yourself, but you also need to learn from other people and you need to gather school, uh, tools and resources to know how to navigate those spaces. Yeah. If you don't know how to language, yeah. if you don't know how to navigate, if you don't know how to network and establish connections to email people, to make mm -hmm. phone calls, to advocate for yourself, you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, you, 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 made, you gave the examples about athletes and musicians, but I think we can apply that to anybody who wants to be successful. Yeah. Especially Sincerely. entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, you may go into, you know, a business selling coffee mugs, but that may not be successful. So mm -hmm. you need to say, look, this is not working. Selling these coffee mugs is not working. Let me switch it up and sell watches. Yeah, and <laughs> people, people are, uh, for some reason, people have this notion that, like, that's, it's okay. What I'm saying is it's okay to go into one thing and being and be passionate about it and to move into another thing. It's okay to evolve given your situation. Mm -hmm. And you got to be a realist yeah. And if you want to be successful sometimes. So if you're doing something and it's... I don't want to say... You know what I mean? Like, you kind of got to know when... Like, I knew for sure. I knew I felt that I wasn't going to be a professional track athlete. I'm not saying it's okay to quit. But I'm saying it's okay to take what you're doing and and switch a direction. Right. Usually, and you didn't the quit path, though. Yeah. you said you said this this path that I'm currently on, it's going to come to an end soon. Yeah, and at the I'm not, not going to be able to go anywhere on this path. I'm not quitting. I'm just changing my path. Yeah, like it's I'm okay. not done being a businessman. I'm just selling something else. Right. <laughs> and 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 the thing is about now, people are starting to realize it's really hard to make it on a salary. Well, for people our age. Unless you have a career already, which a lot of us, a lot of us don't have careers already. Nope. So it's a lot of, and, and, and a lot of people are realizing they're not happy working for other people in, in 2020. And, um, and so now you're seeing a lot of people trying to go into other businesses, whether that be selling soap or, or uh, cosmetics products or whatever, because people are realizing that you can't really make it off just, a, you know, $15 an hour job anymore. So it, it right when the price of rent is fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars right, for a closet. And I'm not making that up <laughs> for a closet, exactly. And so you gotta learn to promote yourself, is what I'm saying, to separate yourself from other businesses or other whatever it may be. Promoting yourself is everything in 2020 mm -hmm. because all that money that used to go to like big TV uh, companies for ads and advertisement and marketing, that's all going to individuals now that are able to promote themselves. Yeah. 
So social media influencers. Yep. Um, uh, there's so many other different platforms where you can sell your products on. I mean, TV ads. Yeah, they're still relevant. I mean, but YouTube, Instagram yeah. ads, Snapchat they're ads, it Facebook right ads. They're killing that industry. Killing it. It's not even at this point. It's it, TV is is holding on by. Well, TV is going to become obsolete. I mean, oh, when I say TV, I'm talking about cable television is going to yeah. become obsolete. If it, I mean, we already have things like Sling TV, AT and T TV, mm-hmm. where it replaces those traditional cable channels and this puts it all on their platform. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. everyone's watching Netflix, Hulu now. Exactly. No one. The only thing I'm afraid about that is like the subscription model just getting out of hand. You know what I mean? Like, because the subscription model, people are. It's it's very easy for it to like. All I'm saying right now is YouTube didn't have ads. Now sometimes you have two ads. Yeah. It's just companies. Just anytime. Video, yeah. yeah. Sometimes companies, if you give them that wiggle room, they just keep trying to take a little more. And take a little more. Next thing you know, who knows? You might have an ad in the middle of your Netflix episode. Who knows? So, oh boy, uh, yeah, you just don't speak that into existence. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Please yeah. don't. Yeah, but yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's just I don't want that subscription model to get out of hand because it's easy for it to. You know, uh, you talked about you being able to travel to ten countries, and uh, this is the ADOS podcast, so we have to try to wrap every, you know, wrap everything back around to to ADOS people, mm-hmm. right? Which is the American descendants of slavery or American descendants of the enslaved. Um, a lot of us, it's a reality. A lot of us haven't left the country. I mean, I have friends, best friends. My father has friends, close friends of his that still haven't left their block in Chicago. Yeah. That's a reality. That's real. Um, And a lot of people don't know that. And they're like, what do you mean they never left their block? Literally, they haven't left their community. Um, All they've known is Inglewood, Mm -hmm. Southside. That's it. Yep. Are they known as Rockford, Illinois? I have friends like that that haven't been outside of Rockford. Yeah, that's actually um, common. Yeah, it actually. is. It's it, pretty it, common, it really it's, is. especially amongst black people. It, it is. Um, so tell us a little bit about your experience being able to leave the United States and go to 10 countries, man. It's Don't say too much. Uh, yeah, well, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're good. Here's the thing. Um, it's just you just get a different experience being an athlete overall, especially a, a black, well-spoken athlete. So mm. my, expo- uh, because especially, uh, or people from Minnesota, black people in Minnesota, I've noticed from other places in America are well-spoken, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, so like I we're better at yep. transferring our ideas. Um, so a person that isn't as well-spoken just doesn't have the ability to, you know, transfer the ideas. Well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just that. my experience in general is better because of that. But, um, Overall, it was it was honestly pretty positive, other than some people treating you different because you're American, and that happens more than treating you different because you're African American. Really, that makes sense. Yeah, well, for yeah, some elaborate reason, a little bit on that because that's interesting. For some reason, I mean, that that uh, other than China, China is pretty. They they don't care about who you are. Like they don't. I felt like a giant in China. First of all, I came off like the subways and I was taller than other people and that's really uncommon for me because I'm only five seven. But um yeah, China's known for not being too keen of black people. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah we know about the, the racist history of China. Yeah so and Japan. Yeah. So I'm just saying that as another thing, China. But for other places, yeah, it was more of like I was okay, so for an, for example, I was in uh Scotland. I had a tournament there and um it's literally where the game that I play originated. I got to play on the original field that the first game that I 
like the first rugby sevens game was mm-hmm. ever played on. So that was already an honor. And I was I was really in a good space. But um the tournament was over and we had all went out and you know, people were drinking and whatnot. Uh but I was holding like a hot dog and like this girl was overly drunk and she had some food or whatever and she bumped into me and um, I dropped my hot dog and her food got all over my clothes. So um, I was like, come on, like, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you're a little irritated, but she was like these effing Americans, this and this and that. And she went on a whole rant about how Americans are this and this and that. And I just didn't understand where it came from because she was the one that was drunk and bumped into me. Mm, so she it just flipped out on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So like it's just you go to certain places and they charge you more for certain things. Like I've been to Kenya before as well. And this wasn't rugby related, but um So you went to so have you been to Kenya to play as well? No, or, no, no. I never just played. No, nah, this okay. was to visit. Okay. Yeah. So um but yeah, they just you they expect you to have a little more money, so they'll charge you a little bit more for certain things. Mm-hmm. But as far as like uh racist kind of behavior. I didn't really see it, and that might be because I have a different experience as far as being an athlete. You know, you just get a certain kind of privilege when you travel with a whole team, and it's the USA team. Mm-hmm. So it's just um, I got a different experience, I think, than typical people as far as traveling. But and, and don't nobody want to make the news for you know being racist against a USA yeah, athlete? No, yeah, no, yeah, bad press. Yeah, that's what. It, yeah, and yeah, that's what it, it would probably come down to that more than anything. But China is where I probably felt the most kind of. Would you say you were uncomfortable there? Yeah. Or maybe uncomfortable wasn't the word. Just you felt like you were stepping on eggshells when you were yeah, in China. Yeah, like I just had I had people that were with me, so I felt better about it. But I definitely wouldn't have wanted to be in China by just yourself. Just by myself in China. Really? No. Yeah, no. Nah. And, and and in a lot of other countries, I just feel like if you have a white face with you, mm-hmm. you're safer because. Wouldn't you say that's the same thing in America? Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you got to say it. Probably, yeah. So I just. If you just, I don't know, it, traveling as an African-American, like, I want to really go to Russia. Like, that's one of the things I want to do. I don't know why I want to go, but I'm just, I couldn't go unless I took a white friend with me. I feel like that because I just would be uncomfortable. So, mm. yeah. So, as far as traveling, I think there's more prejudice for, I experienced more prejudice being American than I did African-American so far. But that's just so far. And, and I would think it would be the opposite. I think yeah. that they would discriminate against you just because of your your skin color, your race, not so much, you know, your nationality. But I can see both sides of that as well. A lot of people have a disdain for Americans. Yeah. Truly. They, no, yeah. I mean, a lot of countries do. Um, and and for some reason, it's weirdly acceptable. Yeah. Like if I say I don't want to be in a country that's, if you look at life quality, mm-hmm. I mean, and this isn't, you know, I'm not, if you look at just the quality of life, me walking into any building and having AC mm-hmm. or me being able to use my bath water to, mm-hmm. to dr- I could drink my bath water. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, though, if I said something about a place where you couldn't do those things, I would be considered not, that's frowned upon. Mm-hmm. But like, for some reason, any country you go to, they just feel like it's okay to just talk horribly about Americans that they don't know. Mm. Like you know what I mean? It's it's weird. I don't know. It's it's weird. We talk a lot about politics on the Ados podcast, and I think this will be a good <laughs> segue. It. It's going to be a good segue into what I think could be a very meaningful political conversation, especially with the current climate that we have in this country. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to be straightforward and honest with you. I'm just going to be a straightforward question. Do you so besides the racist remarks mm-hmm. by President Trump? Do you agree or disagree 
with his stance uh, of putting America first and that we need to bring jobs back here. We need to concentrate on American lives and pretty much leave every other country out to fend for themselves because they don't care about America anyway. Right. Okay. Uh, Paraphrasing some of those words from the yeah, president, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I am, I just, okay, here's the thing about me, is I don't act like I don't know what I don't know. So I just take what's given to me, and I make my decisions based off what's given to me. Mm-hmm. And based off what I know so far, or what I feel like and I your know, lived experience. I, yeah. I want you to talk from your lived experience. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I, I would be more for that happening. I would be more for jobs coming back into America, for America to prosper. Um, it's just really hard to get. It's just Trump in particular. Mm-hmm. He does some good things, but he makes it really hard as a black person to support. When you can't, when you when you refuse to, you know, uh, reject right white supremacy on, on national, national television, television, it makes it really hard for me to get behind it's you. It's a no for me right there. Yeah, and period. And I know that like. Um, he has like the the platinum plan and i haven't i'm still to this day waiting for the democrats to say what they're going to do because they haven't said anything so uh at the moment as far as what they say that they're going to do for us i i'm really on trump's side but it's really he's making it hard for me to vote for him i can't like you know what i mean like and I'm i would and i wouldn't say so much that you're on his side it's that you're you're thinking of you're you're thinking about things and you're going about it in a, in a process that's objective, right? And, yeah. and at least you're trying to. Trying to, yeah. Um, but Trump makes it so hard to get behind him because he's so overtly racist. Right. And I've been critical of Joe Biden as well. I'm critical oh, of no, every yeah. candidate. Oh, for um, sure. You have to be. I've had my criticisms of President Obama. I don't care, right? I'm, I'm an, I, I like to say that I'm an intellectual and mm-hmm. I, I can take in information, I can analyze it, and I can make well-informed decisions. Right. And I, I'd like to say that I'm not a sheep, that I like to think for myself. Right. But uh, So I can agree with you that Trump has done some positive things. Right. But the simple fact that he cannot reject white supremacy exactly. and racism in this country, exactly. that he speaks upon people in this country, like Mexican people, Latinx community, mm-hmm. in such a hateful way, right? I can't get behind that. And even if he isn't racist himself, the actions that he do, like the things that he do, it's definitely promoting racism in other people's minds. Oh, like, absolutely. It, it's not even a debate. I don't even know why people act like, like if you're a Trump supporter, you're not necessarily racist, but you're statistically speaking more likely to be racist. Definitely, right. how I or, or you're not denouncing racism. Yeah, and he, at that point, I mean, if you're not denouncing something, I'm not saying that you're encouraging, but if you're not denouncing exactly. it, you're thinking that it's acceptable. Exactly. Right. And yeah, people should be treated in and talked about that way, demeaned, dehumanized, vilified. Mm-hmm. I can't get behind that. Right. It, it, see, the thing about politics is it gets sticky because he knows that a lot of his voters are white supremacists. I won't say a lot of them, but he has a certain percentage of his voters that they of his base that yeah. they've probably already figured out. So they probably already know what percentage of their votes are going to come from people that are you know what I mean, like uh white supremacists. So he's he's probably just trying to do it to save face. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like he doesn't want to lose their support. Well, he has to so satisfy. To he has to satisfy his base. Yeah. Right? So that that's, and that's what I'm saying. Just because he has to satisfy his base, that's 
if his base is racist and he has to satisfy his base, that's him being racist. If he's go. doing racist things, Bingo. you know what I mean? Like, and so that's just it makes it. I, I like got it. I like sometimes the where he's coming from in terms of being prideful and and being American, um, but I don't like that I can't do that part. That whole racist stuff, I don't like all that. And, and I, I do have the platinum plan up, so we'll go through some of the tenets of mm-hmm. the platinum plan. But before we get into that. Um, I will say that as an American descendant of the enslaved, American descendants of slaves. Right, which is uh, something you got to be specific about yeah, because exactly. there's a difference. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it is a difference. Um, we built this country. Mm-hmm. This country was stolen from the indigenous people, um, multiple different tribes and nations of the indigenous people here in America. And it was built by our ancestors. Right. So I'm more American than anybody in this country. 10 out of 10. I love America. That's the only country I've ever known. I don't know about Kenya besides what I can read. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Egypt besides what I can read. Zimbabwe. You get the point. Morocco. Yeah, no, yeah, I completely understand. Now, I can visit those places, and I can go through history, and I can acknowledge that my people once were a part of that land, mm-hmm. but this is the only country I know yeah, and there's and there's a difference between no one wants to say it, but there's a difference between Africans and African Americans at this point. We just have a we have our own culture here. And and our culture in particular, African American culture, is what the world is eating up in terms of hip hop and uh and dance and, and just a lot of the, the creativity. Yeah, creativity entrepreneurship. That's, and that's not to say anything against like people who are Africans in America, but that is like you said, the descendants of slavery here that are pushing that culture, you know what I mean, for people to enjoy in other parts of the world. But for some reason, uh, they don't enjoy us as people. I don't know why, I, you know what I mean? I don't know if there's a misconception somewhere or whatever, but even in like in African countries, like you could be treated differently for being African American. And I know when Africans come here, sometimes they're treated differently too. So maybe it's just being in a different country. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it seems to be tough for us everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. And, and you know what the unfortunate part of and just to wrap this back up into this conversation about racism, right? And institutionalized racism specifically in this country. We're at this point where we have to realize that racism is so prevalent and so embedded into the history of America mm-hmm. that when you denounce or when you rebuke racism, people think that you're condemning America. Understand what I just said there? I said racism is so prevalent and so embedded into the fabric Mm -hmm. of America that when we denounce racism or we rebuke it, they think that we're condemning America and that we hate America. Yeah. (laughs) It's so weird. And, And I think that there's a discussion that needs to be had, and that discussion should include reparations. I'm, I am a person of reparations. I don't know what form it would take. I'm not the person to figure that out. But I do believe that Africans, descendants of slavery, should have some form of reparations. I believe that. Because everybody has gotten forms of reparations, except for us, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, you talk about reparations, so let's go into the platinum plan. Let's okay, just yeah, let's just address the elephant in the room. Yeah. Uh, we know Ice Cube... He developed the contract for Black America, yep. and that uh, he sat down with the Trump team, 
he got some communication back from the Biden team and said, hey, you know, we like what you got in this plan here or in this contract. We'll discuss it after the election. If we win, maybe we'll take it up. If we don't, then whatever. Mm -hmm. We don't have the power to do anything, but that's neither here nor there. But Trump's team, they agreed to sit down with them. They talked with Ice Cube about his contract with Black America, which is different from the Platinum Plan. Everyone is missing, no, uh, mixing those two together. Oh, is that a different? See, and the, and uh, when I was I'm reading headlines, because I heard about the whole Ice Cube thing CNN, too. I thought C that was a CNN, Platinum. CNN, CNN, they did that on purpose, and the right wing Trump supporters also did it on purpose because they're trying to get people to believe that Ice Cube is endorsing Trump. And I went through and I read the transcripts. Mm -hmm. I read everything. I looked at all the interviews and this is what I came up with. The platinum plan is here. The contract with black America is here. This is Trump's plan. This is what Ice Cube and his team, I don't know how many people was working with Ice Cube, he never elaborated on what actually was in the contract with Black America or who. Yeah, I was uh, about to say, did, he, he never he said never did. He it. never elaborated on it at all. Mm -hmm. He never said who was involved in its construction at all. So I'm just going to call it Ice Cube and his team. So here's the contract with the Black America. Here's the platinum plan. Ice Cube, was re he, uh, he received some email or phone call from Trump advisors. And he also received a similar communication from the Biden team saying, hey, we, you know, we saw this contract with Black America. We like these things in here. We'll revisit this after the election. That's what the Biden camp said. Okay. Trump said, we like what's in here. Let's meet and let's talk about the specifics. And if we, you know, if we agree upon whatever, we'll adopt it into our platinum plan. Mm -hmm. So when he met with the Trump team, they said, oh, yeah, we like this, we like this, we like that. How does $5 billion towards um, economic stimulation for black businesses sound? Yeah. And I'm assuming Ice Cube said, that sounds good to me. How does the creation of 3 million jobs for black Americans sound? Oh, that sounds good for me. Amazing, yeah. Uh, so, he so Trump and his advisors, they adopted some of the, the tenants inside of the contract with black America, and then they added it to the platinum plan. Okay. So just to clarify again. So, so the platinum plan does have certain things in it from the, Ice Cube's plan. Okay, okay, exactly. But they're two separate things. So then people are, you know, Black Twitter, of course, is saying that we're canceling Ice Cube. He's sitting down working with a white supremacist. He's working with a racist. And that's and <laughs> I, I don't want to interrupt here, but that's like one of the biggest things that we have to like work on as a people is that we we've we are rightfully so, and especially our women, very in tune with emotions. So it's easy for us to become emotional before we know the facts about certain things. Mm -hmm. And in this Ice Cube situation where certain people are demonizing him before we know what, he's, what his intentions are. You know what I mean? Uh, so I feel like we got to be careful about who we make enemies if they're good allies. You know what I mean? I see Ice Cube right now as a good ally. And just because he's sitting down and talking to a person we don't necessarily like, it doesn't necessarily mean he's selling us out. It, it could be just for the benefit of us. We do have to, regardless of if Trump is in or not, we have to have some kind of plan that's going to make us better in the next four years. So I don't care who has to sit down and have that conversation. Somebody has to do it. And the person that makes that conversation shouldn't be demonized. Ab you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and here, here is a, a, a bigger point, right? So people are condemning Ice Cube for sitting down and, and talking with a, a white supremacist or trying to negotiate a deal on behalf of black Americans, ADOS, our people. Mm -hmm. um, but here's a reality check. 
Most of you sit down and make contracts and deals with white supremacists every day. Go and talk to him. Talk to me. <laughs> Go and talk to me. You know? Yeah, well, we uh, you, 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 you sit there and you strike deals with businessmen. You don't know in their personal lives who they vote for. They might be Trump supporters. They might donate millions of dollars to his campaigns, hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of dollars to his campaign, mm-hmm. create super PACs for him. Yep. But you sit down and you strike deals with these people. If you're in the education system, we know the institutionalized racism in education systems. You're a teacher. You're striking deals with people who are on the board who are probably Trump supporters. Right. So to say, or so to condemn a person for sitting down negotiating, talk, uh, trying to make a deal on behalf of Black Americans to benefit us, why not try to look at it objectively and remove that emotional lens and say, "Yeah, we know Trump's racist, but he is also the president of the United States." Mm-hmm. And if we're going to actually start having these realistic conversations about reparations, we need to have it with whoever wants to listen and who has a position of power to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I can 110% agree. And um, and like you said, it's about being able to take yourself away from the emotions. And and I feel like the Democratic Party in particular have been selling us a lot of emotions. I feel like this whole trip, the reason why people are going to vote for Joe Biden is because he's not Donald Trump. You know what I mean? They're not voting for... A lot of people aren't... Most people, I think, that are voting for Joe Biden aren't voting for Joe Biden because he's Joe Biden. They're voting for him because he's not Donald Trump. And I think that they they know that, so they're playing it. And to get the black vote, they're just playing on emotions. I need to know concrete what are we going to do if we vote you into office that's going to benefit us. Why, why wouldn't Biden or his team sit down and meet with Ice Cube? Okay, I get you're not the president right now. But if you got that much confidence that you're going to come out as the victor in November, why wouldn't you take an opportunity to sit down with a black man who spent time coming up with this contract for black Americans, an actual plan with money behind it? Here's where we need the the money to be appropriated. Here's what it's going to uh, do for our community, the impact it's going to create. Why wouldn't you take that opportunity or someone on your team to sit with him and talk about that plan in detail instead of just saying, yeah, we like the plan. Let's, Let's revisit it after the election. Right. I think, like I, I think it's because they feel like they have the black vote that's in their pocket, and they don't. They need have that. Okay, they, cool, Ice Cube. That's a nice little plan you got there, but we're gonna talk about that later. Yeah, well, let's be honest. They have had us in their pocket for a while. I think now is just recently people are starting to more look at things of what can you do for me because it's just the the new mo- the new movement of being more aware of what's going on in your surroundings, especially as a black person, is really starting to pick up. So we're starting to look at politicians and say, what are you doing for us now? Instead of just allowing them to come in, sneaking hot sauce in their purse mm. and dancing, mm. you know what I mean? Doing a, a nay-nay or whatever on mm. camera and just trying to get our vote. Because that's what it used to be. For black people, to get our vote, it used to just be a show. They could just pretty much do whatever they wanted. And as long as they seem like get they some can cool relate to us. cool kids and make a music video. Yeah, as long as they can relate to us by putting hot sauce in their purse or saying, if you don't blo- if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Like That was a slap in the face. Yeah, no, yeah, that was disrespectful. Yeah, we... And... It's just like, it's, it's, for me, it's like, that's why I'm more a part of what are you going to do for us? Because I don't feel like anybody really cares about us. No, they don't. I feel like they're going to make it seem like they care. But what the only thing we can do for ourselves is to make sure that they do something for us. You know what I mean? So you don't got to care about me. Just make sure that we get that $5 billion that you agreed upon. You, you know well, what I mean? well, well, let's go through the, 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 the plan here. 
So President Trump's promise to black America over four years, increase access to capital in black communities by almost $5 billion, three million new jobs for black community, creating 500,000 new black owned businesses, increase access to capital in black communities by almost 500 billion, safe urban neighborhoods with highest police standards, commit to working on a second step act, access to better education and job training opportunities, give black churches the ability to, complete, uh, to compete for federal resources for their community, bring better and tailored healthcare to address historic disparities, immigration policy that protects American jobs, advance home ownership opportunities and advance financial literacy in the black community, and then onshoring manufacturing to advance jobs and develop opportunities for black owned businesses. Now, if he can do half the things on this list, just half, this half. If he could do half the things on this list, I would say he, he would have done more things as president than any other president in our history on Literally, behalf of black America. In terms of black America, not including the LGBT community and the feminist movement, the just in terms of African Americans. POC, we're not talking about people of color here. Right. You know, we're, we're not talking about the di this diversity, this rainbow, right? That we keep getting lumped into. We're when, talking about black Americans. Yeah. If he can do half the things on this list, then I, I, I think we can see some true change in our community. I mean, $500 billion that's a lot in of available money. capital for black businesses, that's one of the, the largest, the, the biggest barriers that black, black businesses face is getting access to working capital. Yeah. Getting a loan from a bank. That's what I tell people. The, the racism, the, the painful racism, the, 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 the worst racism isn't necessarily... And I, I, I say this with, uh, with uh, respect, it's not the shootings, you know what I mean? Even though you lose a black life, you, you don't want to ever see that, right? It's not necessarily the shootings. It's the when I have a great business idea, I have great credit, and I go in and I have a great job, I have stable income, and I come in to get a loan, and you still reject me. That, that right there, that... Is general because my business haven't been around for more than two years, right? But I've proven to you that I've been able to generate revenue. Exactly. So it, it, that, you, you can tell are, that uh, that was kind of personal. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been denied loans before, and I've proven that I've been able to generate revenue, decent credit score, get denied a and loan. And then you just—that's what I'm saying. And and those are the things that really affect the generational wealth that we need that could really turn the ship around. You know what I mean? In terms of black people in America, you, you said something. You said. Um, not it's not that we want to lose black lives, but that's not what the real issue is, right? The shootings and violence and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the lack of opportunity, pretty much what you said that yeah. we have. Uh, I, I I agree with you on that, and I think if we start taking a more proactive approach instead of a reactive approach to serving our community, we can truly see some change. And what do I mean by that? Instead of a, a having access to marijuana and cocaine and a firearm to go make money, mm -hmm. how about we give you financial literacy for free? How right. about we give you uh, a loan for $5,000 if you come up with a comprehensive business plan and we uh, give you a mentor or a, an investor that can help you develop your business at the age of 17, 18 years old. Right. So when you start thinking about making money, you say, look, I can go to this business school for free. I, if I can come up with my comprehensive business plan, if I can complete these courses, I get linked up with my mentor who's a successful entrepreneur, black male, black woman, They'll give me five to ten thousand dollars in a grant, and I can start my business, and I can start making money that way. Instead of the big homie giving me a pound of weed and a gun, right? Let's have an honest conversation because I'm in this community. We have our access to guns and drugs. It's crazy. It's not hard at all. You get it from 
It is not hard to get a gun or to get a pound of weed. But it's hard for you to get a college degree and to get a loan to start your business. Yeah. And then we run around and wonder why our kids go to the other side, go to the streets instead of going on the right path. There's so many barriers in place. It's almost, and that's where the setup starts to become a thing. And, and I talked about this on my podcast too, about the, um, just the prison system in America and how everything just leads you to it. And it gives incentives for people to lock people up for a long time because the prisons then get paid and people own those prisons. People are invested in those prisons. And so the people Private who are Private citizens in those, like you and I exactly. can own so, a, come together and own, and own a prison. And, and then that prison can have a, a, a minimum like a mandatory minimum of people that need to be in it. It has to be at 80% occupancy. So to fill that prison up and keep it at 80% occupancy, uh, it's much easier to do it with black bodies than it is white ones. Mm. Because a lot of times we just don't have the, we just don't know certain things that, that can protect us in certain situations. That plus people just care less when it's a black person. It's easier to give a black person three years than it is a white person. Mm. It just is for the same crime. Just like it's easier to give a black family $300,000 or... 12 million or 10 million dollars when police kill us versus giving a white family 25 million. Mm -hmm. and, and, and here's the point I'm trying to make on that. It's the value of black life across the board. Across the board, the value of black lives is low. Yeah. It doesn't even compare to the value of other people's lives. No, yeah, that's, I, I, I agree 100%. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, I think we have a lot of similarities and, and commonalities, and I would love to have you back on um, as a guest, uh, especially after your election. I'm sure we'll have a lot <laughs> oh, to yeah, talk we're gonna about. Oh, yeah, we have a big conversation <laughs> after the election. I don't uh, know what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I, I really want to appreciate your ability to think objectively, um, to remove that emotional factor, and to think from a, a perspective of logic and your open-mindedness. I think we need more black men specifically Mm -hmm. to have that certain level of um, willingness to, 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 to look at other aspects of things right. and not just take in information and just respond, yeah. right? But to take in that information and go out and look for the other supplemental information and then having the ability to sit back, analyze, and make a well-informed decision. Mm -hmm. um, I appreciate that. I think it's going to be that type of thought that's going to uh, progress our community, yeah. our people, a lot further. For sure. uh, we have a long way to go as, 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 as people, man, as black Americans. We have a long way to go. Uh, and I hope people don't ever misconstrue my criticisms of the Democratic Party or Joe Biden or uh, all these other institutions that have existed to support black people. I hope they don't misconstrue my criticisms of them as me um, not acknowledging that they're trying, mm -hmm. but they're not really doing it in an intentional and, pur and purposeful way, in my opinion. And I'm going to continue to call that out. And so I think, and I hope they don't misconstrue it. More importantly, as an endorsement for racism, right. Trump, and the Trump people who are in his camp at all. Right. And the f <laughs> I believe if you look into it, the facts support what you say. So if you can take yourself away from it and look at it objectively you will find that, yeah, nobody really, people have been, especially on the Democratic Party, saying they care, but if you look at it, they don't. So we just got to work at, we got to work at it together in terms of what we can get for our votes then. Because if you, if no one's going to care, we the only people that's going to care about each other. So we got to put it together then. November 3rd is less than two weeks away, folks. Uh, get out there and vote. I'm not going to tell you to vote one way or another. I'm going to tell you to vote in your best interest. Vote in the interest of your community. If you're a black American, 
Start asking those tough questions when you get in front of these candidates. Ask them, what is their plan to progress black Americans? That's a simple, straightforward question. What is your plan to progress black America? I don't want to hear about BIPOC. I don't want to hear about POC. Right. I don't want to hear about your diversity plan. I want to hear about what is your plan to progress the most victimized, marginalized, disenfranchised group of people in this country, which is the American descendants of enslaved. Right. And that's a fact. 10 out of 10. I completely agree. You can still do early voting. You should already have. If you requested your mail-in ballot weeks ago, you should have it already. You probably have five of them. <laughs> they right, I'm saying. In the mail. Only submit one of them. Yeah, it's going to get interesting for sure. I can't wait. O- only submit one ballot. Um, and more importantly, encourage your neighbors to vote. If you're an elder, encourage the young people to vote. If you're a parent and you have a child that's over the age of 18 years old, encourage them to vote. This election is going to change America, for better or for worse. It's going to change America. This is going to be a huge election. Yeah, for sure. And then prepare yourselves for what's to come after that election. That's what I'm... Because I think for whoever sides is the victor, there's going to be some chaos. A lot of backlash. I think so. So, you know, make sure y'all ready. I don't know if y'all care about y'all Second Amendment, but I do. Just make sure and you've ready. seen those videos on YouTube from those white wing right wingers. Oh those yeah, they ready. They ready to keep them in office by force. People are ready. And to, they said that. Yeah. So I, I mean, believe people when they say they're gonna cause harm to people. Yeah, always do. You got to always believe them. There is a bunch of crazy people on both sides. Prepare yourselves. Protect your families. Be safe. Uh, and I hope that we are we're gonna get back to the point where we can love each other just as humans. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to be optimistic about that, Trey. I really am. It's hard, though. It is. It is. It seems to be more and more division, unfortunately. But, I mean, we've gotten to the point where we've tried. We've extended our little branch. You know, I mean, we've been trying for years. So now we have to make sure that we care for each other at this point. And whether that be, you know, secluded areas where we have our own uh, cities, communities, towns, whatever that may be. We just got to do what we got to do now. We got to make sure that we survive. That's all it is. Black Americans, love your fellow black American. All right? Love each other. It's okay to love your people and not hate everyone else. Right. Just because I love my people doesn't mean I hate anybody else. Right. Um, I just have a deep love, admiration for my people because we are strong. And I just want to reiterate that. We are strong. We're going to persevere through this madness, y'all. Trey, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for driving Sorry, all the yes, way up sir. here from Winona, <laughs> um, an hour and hour and forty five minutes away, just to join me in this um, hour conversation. So I appreciate you for doing that. That's huge, and I'm I'm, I'm hopeful to have you back on the show. Oh soon. no, I'm gonna come back, especially after the election. We gotta talk about that. That's cool, brother. This is the Ados Podcast. Remember to vote. Remember to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Ados Podcast. We're on Facebook, the Ados Podcast, and also Instagram. And yes, you guessed the tag, the Ados Podcast. Yeah.